You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rain Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night plumes. I am speaking to you from my library, uh, the work in progress. We have progressed quite a bit in the last week. Not only did the mysterious leg arrive to complete my, my beautiful sofa bed, which is just the most comfortable reading couch, uh, but the curtains arrived. So yes, we're still quite figuring out the hanging side of things, but two out of three are currently perfect. Uh, we're working on it, which is to say the silent producer is working on it. And I am very grateful um, that I married a physicist so I don't have to figure out how curtains work. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's lovely. It feels really good. I'm actually going to be doing some Zoom calls this afternoon. And one of my goals with this room was to have a pretty background for Zoom calls involving bookshelves. Um, so yes, there we go. Goals achieved. Or at least they will be later in the day. Of Knives and Night Blooms, Chapter 2, On the River Divine A priest of the Black Raven had many rules. Icarus Swift was born with a scythe burned into his left palm, and he'd accepted his fate fourteen years later, taking the oath to serve his god directly. From that moment, he had been beholden to a long and complex system of lists and conditions. One did not speak the true name of the Black Raven aloud. One did not steal or share the mark of a fellow servant. One did not fail one's sacred duty. Icarus also had his own rules. One did not play games of chance with Mardi Morenci. One did not drink anything named for its colour or for a mythical creature. One did not trust magic in any of its forms. In recent years, he'd added another. One did not travel on the River Divine. This was a rule that only he seemed to believe was a good idea, but he'd never been proved wrong. There were many ways to get from province to province. Anyone who told you that the river was the shortest path from one end of the kingdom to the other was lying, and most likely planning to rob you blind and leave you dangling from one foot in the hanging market. The River Divine was nothing but trouble. The flowers currently filling Icarus's mouth tasted like the river. The scent in the air smelled like the river. They were on a boat, on the bloody River Divine, of course. Captured by his own mark, if he was reading the situation right, betrayed by his god. And oh yes, tied to a bed with a failed gladius and the two most dangerous women in the divine kingdom. Well, Icarus said aloud, spitting petals. This is just peachy. Of course, it was Valeria's fault. It had to be. How else could they have got here? Who would be ruthless enough to take the mark that was already chosen for him but this woman? She'd never respected the rules enough for Icarus's liking. Marty. Marty had done it as well. That didn't make as much sense, but... Icarus wasn't thinking about her right now. He was thinking about Valeria and how those ribbons tying her to the bed 
were probably the only reason she hadn't slit his throat yet. Speaking of ribbons, but no, he was not about to free himself. He did not want to free himself. That was an odd thought, alien in his mind, and yet Icarus was not willing to challenge it. It wasn't anything like the shade route he had given to the boy. This thing inside his head was deeper and more insidious. Magic, he recognised. Magic was keeping them here, forcing them not to fight their bonds. Fucking magic. He saw Valeria recognise it at the same moment. She did not want to escape. Or at least her body would resist any attempt to do so. Icarus, what have you done? She breathed in her usual murderous tones. For once, pet, this isn't down to me. Whatever had been used on them, it still had Marty out like a light. She lolled on the pillows, her feet tucked comfortably into Valeria's lap. Valeria was strangely accommodating about this. Perhaps she was bottling up her vengeful spirit for later. Or perhaps... She drew the line at kicking a sleeping pregnant woman. Marty was getting big. Blood and endless. Surely she was running out of time, wasn't she? Motherhood beckoned. And with it, her inevitable retirement from the priesthood. Which would come first? Assuming they found a way out of these pink ribbons before water broke. Valeria had turned her scorching attitude onto the stranger in their midst. Young Dio sat staring at them all, like he was in a private box at the opera, and they were the show. Who is this? Valeria spat. Has the Black Raven been recruiting? Dio blinked. I'm not a... he stumbled. Use your senses, Valeria. He's not a priest, Icarus cut in. I don't think even our god would take them this young. Any more. I'm twenty-two! protested the boy, which had to be a lie. Icarus had never seen such a fresh face. Why is he here? Valeria snarled. Why is he our fourth? A good question, certainly. They knew who to expect as an obvious fourth in this group. Either the stave, who was dead, or the bow, who had been nowhere near the blooming cup when this calamity befell them. Surely, in the insane scenario, where four priests of the Black Raven were paid to take out the same mark, the bow would be included. Unless he was the one who set all this up, which seemed rather out of character. Instead, they had Dio. A wet-behind-the-ears random who was willing to commit fraud in the wild hope of serving a city, any city, as a gladius despite his obvious inability to pass the written tests at the vigils. An intriguing example of youthful spirit and a can-do attitude, but hardly what you wanted in a trained killer. He'd trip over his feet the first time he needed to hold a knife to a throat. Mardi awoke. Icarus spotted the exact moment that she realised how close she was to Valeria. She went still, holding her breath and then drew back her feet, putting an inch of distance, the only distance possible, between them. A nightmare, then, she muttered. Jolly good. One more pregnancy symptom. 
Come back, Heartburn, all is forgiven. Hello, Marty, said he cross. It's been a while. They were a study in contrasts, these two women. Valeria was narrow-boned and angular, all sharpness and pale skin, her hair as black as her long eyelashes. She was dying both again, no doubt. Mardi was all warm shades of deep brown, skin, eyes, hair. Valeria looked like the evil stepmother who would seduce you and cut out your heart. Mardi looked like the friendly innkeeper who would always remember your birthday. He loved them both. They were the two people in the world most likely to be the literal death of him. It was a long time since the three of them had been in the same room together. Had it happened since Bors died? Icaros could not think of a single instance. Icaros, I'm assuming this is somehow all about you, said Mardi tiredly. She wriggled her fingers against the ribbon ties. Pissed off any water sprites lately? Fucked a dragon? Declared aside in the war between the Nixies and the Dryads? Icaros smiled at her with all his teeth. I'm not the one who accepted a mark already issued to another servant of our god. Mardi glared at him. Neither am I. Introductions, interrupted Valeria, looking at the boy Dio as if she wanted to eat him. Icaros, I believe you know this young man. Playing at tea parties, were they? This is Dio Taurus, Icarus said reluctantly. Nephew to our hostess at the Blooming Cup. He's nobody. The young man arced up at the insult. I'm not nobody. For the sake of this conversation you are, Icarus replied. Settle down, Sprat, your elders are speaking. Dio gave him a scornful look. You can't have more than a decade on me. Oh, you'd be surprised. Three decades at least. The Black Raven was kind to his servants. Didn't like to leave them too worn about the edges. Valeria, who was at least two decades older than anyone in this room, she'd passed her 70th birthday without comment. Preened. Dio, please ignore my husband. His manners are such a trial to me. Valeria Swift. Charmed. Mardi Morenci, put in Mardi, the needle of the Black Raven, to give you my formal title. She's the blade, she added, without bothering to conceal her distaste for Valeria, because she's a backstabbing, vicious creature who cheats at cards. Oh, I'm sorry, said Valeria. Am I the only person on this bed who cheats at cards? Dio looked sidelong at Icaros. I didn't think priests were allowed to get married any more. Icaros indicated his wife with a thin smile. We are the reason they brought in that law. Young Dio kept darting looks back at Valeria, like he thought she was the person in his bed he should worry about the most. Good to know he wasn't entirely stupid. Why do they call you the Blade? Valeria smiled and shifted one arm a little. Her right sleeve unrolled, revealing an array of knives, razors, and a very tiny rapier, all arranged in thin pockets of linen. 
we each have our specialty. The arts of the Black Raven are many and varied. Okay, said Dio, his eyes taking in the weapons and then returning to her face. So why haven't you cut yourself free from these ribbons yet? Oh, this kid was going to get himself murdered. But it would be an entertaining few minutes. Valeria's whole body stiffened as she considered the question. I don't know, she said, and swished her sleeve so that the blades rolled up again out of sight. I don't want to, I suppose. I don't either, said Marty, shifting uncomfortably on the pillows. She'd been given longer ribbons than the others, so she had a little more freedom of movement, enough to shift from side to side. But we'd better figure it out fast. I reckon we've got about fifteen more minutes before I have to pee, and that's being generous. Icarus eyed her expanding waistline. Anything he said next was bound to be wrong. Mardi, show me the mark on your hand. She gave him a quick, confused look and then raised her right hand. Like him, she was marked there with the seal of those chosen by the Black Raven, the scythe's blade curving around her index finger and thumb, its staff a straight line down the inside of her wrist. Other hand he said. Marty's eyes widened as she followed his gaze. A dark flower bloomed on the back of her left hand, petals and stamens, a complex tattoo in black and purple. She bucked, trying to get off the bed, then sat very still as if she'd changed her mind about reacting. A small smile crossed her face for a moment, then vanished. "'What's happening to us?' Why don't I know how to feel about this? Valeria leaned into Icarus. Instinctively, he leaned back to stay out of stabbing range. Yours is on your neck, she told him, inhaling as she got close. Pretty. He turned his head but couldn't see his own flower. He glanced across to Dio for confirmation and the boy nodded uncomfortably. Not Valeria playing a game. Except, of course, that Valeria was always playing games. What about you? Icarus demanded. Her scythe was hidden. It lay across her left hip. He could not see the fresh mark of a night bloom anywhere on her pale skin. Marty kicked out at Valeria with one foot. Her skirts jerked back. There it was, the dark flower picked out on Valeria's ankle. All three of them instantly pulled their eyes to Dio, who shrank under their scrutiny. I'm nobody, remember? So you say, accused Icarus. You're the one who said it. The door of the cabin opened. All four of them stayed very still, except for Dio, who had no sense of self-preservation and immediately sneezed. The girl who entered was young, wispy soft, her hair, if she had any, was covered by a tight linen cap. She carried a tray of water cups, with the air of someone who had never done domestic tasks before and was a bit excited about it. The scent of magic lingered on her, but only gently, 
as if she'd been in its vicinity and caught a little of the backwash. "'My mother will join us shortly,' she said, and handed the cups to each of them, starting with Dio, who gave her a winning smile. The ribbons that bound them to the bed had enough length to them that the prisoners could hold cups, raise them to their mouths. Dio was the only one who drank immediately, then stared around as if realising too late that he should have been more suspicious. As the person who had most recently drugged Dio, Icarus was not sure if the young man's innocence was irritating or charming. No, it was definitely irritating. How had he survived so long? Speaking of irritating, the ribbons were long enough to reach cups to mouths, and that meant they were definitely long enough to twist and manipulate. The girl stood near enough that Icarus should be able to loop his ribbons around her throat and snap her neck. The fact that he hadn't done it already was a weight on his chest, a premonition of doom. Something was very wrong here, and it was growing inside his head like a weed, like a night bloom. "'You can trust what you eat and drink here,' said the girl, looking past Icarus to the women on the other side of the bed. "'We have no wish to harm you.' Valeria lifted her chin and glared. Mardi pressed a hand to her own belly and looked sceptical. "'Why are we here?' broke in Icarus. "'Why have you marked us?' "'You're here because you tried to kill my mother,' said the girl, more defiantly than before. Her sweetness fell away like a costume. "'And you're here because you're going to help us.' "'I take it this isn't an offer,' said Mardi, flexing the hand that had the dark night-bloom marks spread across it. "'We don't get a choice.' This mother of yours has taken our service by force. Which would be, not fine, not acceptable, but something short of an abomination, if not for the fact that all three of them were sworn in service already. The Black Raven was not going to like this. Priests who served two masters only existed in epic poetry, tales with messy and bloodthirsty endings. The door to the cabin opened again, and the girl turned towards it with relief. Mother. Magic entered the room. A blast of light and sound and the scent of rose petals. Icarus was dizzy with it. Eventually, the power resolved itself into a woman, standing in a doorway, watching them all with a calm expression. She was beautiful. Icarus could not tell if it was the kind of refined beauty that Artis painted on porcelain, or if it was merely that her power hovered around her eyes, cheekbones, breasts, and every mote of his body wanted to please every mote of hers. He wanted to be on his knees for this woman. He had not felt so overwhelmed with the need to be consumed since the first time he faced the Black Raven and learned his purpose in life. Icarus came back to himself, slowly. He was aware of the others, also recovering their senses. "'I am Calix, of the House of Flowers,' said the woman in the doorway. "'All four of you attempted to end my life.' 
and now you will serve me. Her head was shaved, and her robes were silk on silk, swishing layers of pale colour. She looked like an abbess, the irritating kind who was entirely at peace with their life choices, probably because she didn't serve a god who required her to murder people on a regular basis. Icaros had made a terrible miscalculation. He assumed that this travelling royal was pretending to be a petal of the House of Flowers, because those women were considered untouchable, inviolable. He'd done his research, damn it. Everything he read made it very clear that the magic of the Imperium was mostly ceremonial, barely worth mentioning, unimpressive. Something must have been lost in translation between her country and his. His breath caught in his throat now, as Calix approached the bed. He served this woman. He wanted to do anything she required. He burned to please her and protect her, regardless of anything the Black Raven had to say about it. This was going to be a problem. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. He also hangs curtains. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. I forgot to mention I have a new book out this week. Uh, Gorgons Deserve Nice Things, one of my favourite titles I've ever come up with, uh, is available right now from Brain Jar Press. It is a collection of my short stories, written and published in various fancy places over the years, all about the women of Greek myth. So, you know, there's a Helen story, there's a, an Atalanta story, there's an Ariadne story, it's gender-swapped, but uh, yeah, uh, if you like Greek myth and if you like my stories, I think you'll really like this very slender volume with a very cool cover. Uh, and I will see you next week for more of Knives and Night Blooms.